Good morning. Yeah, I think, for, yeah, that was, uh, that was an in, improvisation by Sheila. She said, I'm Im, improvising, so I won't, I won't stop till you stop me. So, uh, but thank you. Thank you, Sheila, and thank you to our musicians, and thank you for being here. Uh, Carl's off singing with Brothers Four this weekend, and we are gifted with so many wonderful musicians who will be sharing with us this morning. And we're honored by your presence. Thank you for being here. The table is set for Holy Communion, and all are welcome always. And there are those across the country who are uh, worshiping with us. Uh, heard from someone this morning, said, I'm, I'm watching. So uh, there's lots of people we know who join us uh, every weekend on, on, uh, online, so we're thankful for that. Uh, the order of service is printed for you, and everything will be projected for you as well, as we are now on the third Sunday in our Lenten journey towards Jerusalem. If it's comfortable, I'd invite you to stand. Gathered in God's house, we worship. In the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our gathering hymn, Joyful, Joyful, we adore thee. Lent is a period of self-examination and self-reflection. Our responsive reading this morning is a brief order for confession and forgiveness. We all have a story. story Main roads, back roads, and detours. No Joy and sorrow. And we see it and experience it all. Each of us has a few paragraphs that we regret, tender words that we neglected to speak, we all have a story, forgive us Lord, give us the grace to forgive others. Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. Dear friends in Christ, in mercy, God forgives us all our sins. God offers us this day a new beginning. May we repent of the ways that leave us broken, and may we learn to love as Jesus taught us. Your sins are forgiven. Let them go and live. Amen. Or him of praise, I'm so glad Jesus lifted me. <laughs> <laughs> 
conversation. Thank you. <laughs> the Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. Be with us, Lord Jesus. Stay with us. We are sometimes afraid, sometimes lost, sometimes lonely. Give us the courage to follow in your footsteps. Help us to trust in your love and forgiveness that we might live our lives joyfully and faithfully as a response to your amazing grace. May the welcome that you have extended to us be shared with all, every child of God fed at this table. We pray in the name that is above all others, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Please be seated. first reading is from the seventh chapter of the book of Matthew, starting at the first verse. Actually, it's another verse, but it's not listed here, so. <laughs> Do not judge so that you may not be judged. For with the judgment you make, you will be judged, and the measure you give will be the measure you get. Why do you seek the speck in your neighbor's eye, but do not notice the log in your own eye? How can, or how can you say to your neighbor, let me take the speck out of your eye, while the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your neighbor's eye. The word of the Lord. said, you know what, Chris, we're going to go to church today. And he said, well, that's fine. You go right ahead. I don't, I don't do a lot of church. And they said, well, <coughs> why, don't you, why don't you come with us? So he decided to go just to be polite, you know. And he got there, and guess what? It's one of these churches where they have an altar call. Yeah. So he was sitting there watching these people walk up front, and he was saying to himself, I would not do that in a million years. And he's sitting there thinking about it, and for some reason, he just got up and walked up there. And he doesn't know why he did that. And when he got home, it inspired him to write this song, Why Me, Lord? Why me, Lord? What have I ever done to deserve even one of the pleasures I've known? Tell me, Lord, what did I ever do that was worth loving you? or the kindness you've shown. Lord, help me, Jesus, I've wasted it so. Help me, Jesus, I know what I am. Now that I know that I needed you so, help me, Jesus, 
my soul's in your hand. Try me, Lord. If you think there's a way I can try to repay all I've taken from you. Maybe, Lord, I can show someone else what I've been through myself on my way back to you. Lord, help me, Jesus, I've wasted it so. Help me, Jesus, I know what I am. Now that I know that I needed you so, help me, Jesus, my soul's in your hand. Lord, help me, Jesus, I've wasted it so. Help me, Jesus, I know what I am. Now that I know that I needed you so, help me, Jesus, my soul's in your hand. Jesus, my soul's in your hand. Thank you, Doug. Doug's going to sing again for us uh, a little later in the service. And we are going to have an altar call this morning. That's what Holy Communion is, you know, when you're invited to come forward to the altar to receive the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, to receive the grace and forgiveness and words of hope. We do have altar calls as Lutherans. Thank you, Doug. Thank you, Pastor Eric, too. If you were listening to Pastor Eric, then you already heard it, where I'm headed. Do a little call and response. I'll call you, call it right back to me. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. I got to tell you, folks, there are a variety of spiritual gifts that are listed in the Bible. Prophecy, serving, teaching, healing, giving, wisdom, knowledge, mercy, and the gift of tongues. Now, perhaps God has gifted you with one or more spiritual gifts. I certainly see the evidence of it as I scan the horizon of our congregation. I see our church members serving, teaching, healing, giving generously. You are wise and with much knowledge and compassion you share with others. I thank you I thank you for helping to make Trinity Lutheran Church such a loving and hospitable place. Spiritual gifts. Now, the Bible is very clear about spiritual gifts and other gifts of any kind. All gifts come from God. And all gifts are meant to be used for the common good of all people. And for 2,000 years, the people of God, blessed with spiritual gifts have built hospitals and nursing homes and orphanages and universities and food banks and preschools and shelters. The Christian church has made a mark on the world that God loves. And for all of its flaws, and we have many, for all of its flaws, the church has often alleviated suffering and provided benevolent care to the most vulnerable. Generosity. This congregation has already given more than $60,000 in aid to the refugees in Eastern Europe. Generosity. For 2,000 years, the people of God have excelled at charitable giving. Spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are given by God for the common good. We have much to celebrate, and there's so much more for us left to do together. Unfortunately, 
Unfortunately, religious people in Jesus' day and today were and are even more proficient at judging others. And let's be clear, most of the criteria that we use when judging others was never addressed by Jesus. Most of the things that we fuss over probably would have bored Jesus. We tend to forget sometimes that we followed a long-haired, unemployed, perhaps homeless rabbi whose skin color would not have resembled the skin tones of northern Europeans. We follow a rabbi who was carried across borders as a child, fleeing the wrath of Herod. Jesus and his family were refugees living in Egypt. Most of the things we fuss over probably would have been of no interest to Jesus. Jesus did not address clothing or hairstyles, appearances, dancing, card playing, or drinking. But you know what? He did repeatedly warn his followers against judging others. Jesus never talked about dating. Marriages were arranged. Jesus never talked about voting rights. There were no elections. No one had the right to vote. Jesus never talked about gun rights. There were no guns. Jesus never talked about abortion or homosexuality or gender identification. Jesus never talked about purgatory. Jesus never judged the Muslims. There weren't any. Jesus never judged the Christians. There weren't any. Now, that doesn't mean that Jesus didn't have a lot to say. No, Jesus had a lot to say. The rabbi, the teacher, our Lord, talked a lot, taught a lot about the kingdom of heaven. He talked a lot about money, talked a lot about food, forgiveness. He talked about disrespectful children, faith, fear, and salvation. Yeah, he had a lot to say. He also spent a lot of time with... um, known sinners, sinners who were judged harshly by society. And consequently, because he spent time with those known sinners, many found it easy to judge Jesus as well for hanging out with losers, sinners. They did not seem to bother Jesus in the least. However, judgmental religious people made Jesus' blood boil. Read the story. My friends, there are a lot of spiritual gifts. Please identify yours and use them. Use them for the common good. But let's be very, very clear. Judging others is not a spiritual gift. Judging others makes Jesus' blood boil. Now, here's the problem. The problem is if we are grumpy and self-righteous, and judgmental, and we carry the name of Jesus, then we bring disgrace on his name. If we are, in fact, the only Jesus that some people will ever see, and we are arrogant and self-righteous, then we offend God. Now, you're free. You've got free will. You can do anything you want. If you want to spend your energy Judging the lifestyles and actions of others, go ahead, go ahead, knock yourself out. Sentence yourself to a life of misery. But if you do it in the name of Jesus, then you're really going to tick Jesus off. And it's not nice to fool with Mother Nature. But hold on, Pastor, hold on. Didn't Jesus tell the woman caught in adultery to go and sin no more? Well, yes, he did. You are paying attention. But here's the spoiler alert. Here's the spoiler. Are you ready for the spoiler alert? Here it is. You are not Jesus. Don't ask yourself, WWJD, what would Jesus do? No, get rid of that bracelet. Don't ask yourself, WWJD, what would Jesus do? No. Ask what Jesus has actually asked you to do. 
And the answer to that is quite simple. Love them, have compassion for them, come alongside the broken and the oppressed, and in your free time, take care of your own issues. And that ought to be enough to keep you busy. You see, judging others is not a spiritual gift. What is it? It's a burden. It's a waste of time. And it offends the one who forgave you and me all of our sins. If you take time to look at your neighbor, what would you see? You'd see a physical frame that might be solid, it might be fragile. What would you see? Well, you see their smile. A smile that may be authentic or maybe not. It may be hiding pain. What would you see if you look at your neighbor? You see clothes, neat and tidy, perhaps. They might look confident. They might drive a nice car. They might live in a view home or waterfront home. And that's what you see if you look at your neighbor. But we see only what is revealed to us. And even if we see them clearly, we don't really see them at all. We don't know the story that is theirs. We don't know the pain that lies behind the mask that they're wearing. And if that's the truth, how could we possibly be in a position to judge them? Walk a mile in their shoes? We don't even know what size their shoes are. What do you see? What do you see when you look at your neighbor? You see someone who arrived on this earth as you did, and they did not arrive fully formed, just like you. You were not fully formed when you were born. No, we are, all of us, products of our raising, the successes, the failures, and the dysfunction of previous generations are a part of our DNA. Insecurity and shame, those are not spiritual gifts either, but most of us can't seem to shake them. We carry them with us. What do you know about your neighbor? Were they orphans? Did they grow up in poverty? Were they raised in another religious tradition? Was there addiction in their family, or divorce, or abuse, or abandonment? And remember, even if we see them clearly, we really don't see them at all. There are only two certainties. God knows, and we don't. God knows their story, and God knows your story. God knows, and we don't. And we are told in no uncertain terms that we are not to judge the journey of another. The woman, the woman who was caught in adultery. The text says she was caught in the very act of adultery. That's what we know about her from the text. That's all we know. And the religious men who were inclined to stone her to death probably did not know much more than that. The text says she was caught in the very act. What more do you need to know? She was caught in the very act. Well, for starters, we might ask, where was the man? I'm assuming that if she was caught in the very act, that she wasn't alone, right? Where was the man? In a society that offered more leeway to men, it appears that no stones were being raised above him. Come on, she was caught in the very act. What more do we need to know? The truth is we know nothing about this woman. We know nothing about her marriage, her finances, her circumstances, her upbringing. We don't know about her race or her nationality. And the men who were quick to judge her and kill her, they did not know her story either. But then there's a dramatic storyline twist. It is suddenly clear that Jesus knew their stories. He knew these men. He knew the back roads and secrets of their lives. And what did Jesus do in this story? He knelt down and he started writing with his finger in the dust at their feet. 
And as he did that, they kept interrogating the rabbi. You there, you playing in the dust. Come on, you know the law. She's guilty. She should die. What do you say? Jesus drew in the dust. And then he stood up. And as he did, the words in the dust revealed the sin of each man who was now holding a stone. The words scratched in the dust cut them to their hearts. And Jesus looked them in the eyes and he said, Let the one, let the one who is without sin cast the first stone. And with that, the stones fell from their hands. One by one, beginning with the oldest, they dropped the stones and walked away. She was caught in the very act. What more do we need to know? Yeah, you're right. We know enough, don't we? We know enough to know that we should be loving and kind and compassionate and forgiving. Walk a mile in their shoes Even if we see them clearly, we do not see them at all. Look at your neighbor, and what do you see? The next time you feel the urge to sit in judgment, I'd like you to remember the woman caught in adultery, and I'd like you to remember this short little movie.
Yeah. Pass the Kleenex. We never really know, do we? We never really know the entirety of someone else's story. We don't know the trauma of their past. We don't know what fear and pain that they're currently living with. Let the one who is without sin cast the first stone. None of us are without sin. So let's, uh, let's put down the stones. The only one who knew her story picked her up from the dust. And when Jesus picked her up from the dust, he said, neither do I condemn you. WWJD, do not ask what Jesus would do. You're not Jesus. But do ask what Jesus has already asked you to do. Just remember that. Love your neighbor. Love your family. Love yourself. And give thanks for the amazing grace of God. Let's put down the stones. Amen? I invite you to stand. We're going to sing Amazing Grace. our hearts now to God in prayer. Pastor Eric's going to lead us in the prayers. Each petition will end, hear us, O God, and our response, your mercy is great. God, you blessed us with your servant's son. Here are, here are these prayers as we seek the wisdom to serve your world with justice and mercy. 
Good and gracious God, give us eyes to see your goodness, your generosity, and your grace. We have been blessed beyond what is reasonable to expect. Blessed to be a blessing. May our lives be marked by grace and generosity. Hear us, O God. Creator God, in this time of climate change and disruption, be with those who suffer from climate issues and natural disasters. May we partner with them as we work to create change and reach out to ease their burden and loss. Hear us, O God. As the hymn writer said, O God, cure your children's warring madness. Bend our pride to your control. As we confront the evils of war and the suffering your people endure, may we tirelessly pursue your justice. You judge the nations, O God. Guide us in your ways. Hear us, O God. Good and gracious God, we pray for the people caught in the crossfires of war in Ukraine. We pray for soldiers in the field and their families. We pray for relief workers, medical professions, and people of faith who serve in harm's way. We lift up Pastor Sergei Sologub and his family, give courage and hope to civilians and refugees. Hear us, O God. Good and gracious God, we thank you for the gift of community. May we treasure this gift and be the hands and feet of Jesus as we lovingly care for each other. Use us to bring comfort and hope to those who are ill, dying, distressed, depressed, or lacking in basic human needs. Hear us, O oh God. Only you know the depths of our hearts, O oh God. Call this congregation to loving action in your name. Give us the courage to resist the temptation to judge others, but turn toward mercy that we may be advocates for the powerless and have the strength to work for peace and justice. Hear us, O God. Into your hands, faithful God, we place ourselves and our prayers, spoken and unspoken, trusting in your mercy through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Peace of the Lord be with you. Please share a sign of peace and greeting with one another. Peace and greeting, Rod. Thank you. Uh, thank you for sharing that great in the peace. Take that good energy over into the uh, gym, coffee hour, adult forum down the hall, 9.15 this morning, fireside room. Details in your bulletin about that. Uh, Reverend Terry Kylo is here. Just saw him come in. He set it down there, 9.15. Um, Thursday night, we continue with uh, Lenten potlucks, 6 o'clock in the gym. Hold an evening prayer here at 7 o'clock in the sanctuary. Last about 30, 35 minutes. And beautiful, reflective, uh, hold an evening prayer service. We encourage you to come out this Thursday. No reservations, just a potluck. Just come on out. Uh, love, to have, love to see you there. 
Um, and let's get right to this. Um, Barbara and John, stand up for a minute. They were married right here 22 hours ago. <laughs> 22 hours ago, they were married. We wish you the very best and uh, a blessing to you both in your families. Yeah, so congratulations. Yeah, and, and in the coffee hour, when you're having coffee today, if everyone would just share with one another what you were doing 22 hours after you were married. Could make for an interesting coffee hour. Um, Sixty thousand dollars. I'm running out of big checks out there. There's only fifty-five thousand dollars worth of checks. I can't get them on the board out there. But thank you so much. Uh, the gifts keep coming in, and this congregation has now already forwarded sixty thousand dollars to help these refugees on the border in Eastern Europe. So thank you so much for that. Um, None of us here are going to go over and, and try to provide hands-on aid or pick up a rifle, I'm sure. But what we're doing is making a difference. And so thank you very much uh, for that. Um, and then uh, I tell you that on May 26th, 1991, May 26th, 1991, right here, um, Felicia carried our baby, our little Emily, up to be baptized here at the baptismal font. And uh, she was uh, less than a month, just a few weeks old at that time. And she was baptized here on May 26, 1991. And this was yesterday. Uh, yesterday she gave birth to this little boy. So uh, this, is, uh, this is little Hudson James. And so he was, he was uh, born yesterday. So we give thanks for that as well. Deacon Amy. That's a tough one to follow. I don't have anything nearly as exciting as that, but we do have a lot of great things happening here. Um, Sunday school continues every morning in the gym between worship services, and our confirmation class is meeting after the second service this morning. That's for our middle school students down the hall. And our Wednesday, or our, our youth groups continue to meet throughout the week. Tuesday evenings is for high school students. Um, we meet at 7 o'clock in the youth room upstairs, and Wednesday is from middle school students, and they're here from 5 until 6.30. Um, again, more information about the camp trips in the gym. We're really looking forward to getting back to camp this summer, so there's information and sign-up sheets in the gym for those trips. And then um, Easter eggs. Thanks so much to everybody who picked up Easter eggs last week, and they're already starting to come back in filled with all kinds of goodies. And I promise they'll stay all packed up until Easter. Um, so thank you for helping with that. There are more empty eggs there if you would like to take them home and fill them with little trinkets or uh, individually wrapped candies. That would be fantastic. We're looking forward to a good Easter again. Thanks. Thank you, Amy. Uh, the best Easter ever. It's going to be a fantastic Easter for us to gather together. A word about Holy Communion. Uh, the most important word is that you're welcome. You're welcome always. Doesn't matter where your journey's taken you. Doesn't matter if you've never worshiped for the Lutherans before. Uh, this is not a Lutheran table. Uh, this is the Lord's table. And the one and only host is Jesus, and he invites you to come. To come forward, you're, the ushers will help you to come down the center aisle. You'll approach the little Jordan River there where baptisms take place, and you'll hold out your hand to receive the host, the body of Christ. Hold on to it just momentarily. Go ahead and consume the body of Christ, and then move on to the next station where you will be served the blood of Christ, all grape juice uh, for everyone, individual glasses, go ahead and receive that, and then leave the empty glasses in the basket on the side. But most importantly, know you're all welcome, always. If it's comfortable for you, I'd invite you to stand as we move to the table. We gather now around a table that welcomed our parents and grandparents, a table that will welcome Christians of a variety of denominations and colors who speak many different languages all across the world. They will gather around this table remembering a table like this in an upper room. On a Thursday night in Jerusalem, it was Holy Week, and there Jesus was gathered with his followers. It was the night of his betrayal. And he took the bread and he gave thanks. And he broke it and he gave it to his disciples saying, Take and eat. 
This is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. And again, after supper, he took the cup and gave thanks. He gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. As often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, Jesus Christ has promised to be present with us. Let us pray now as he taught us to pray. Our Father, gifts of God for you, the people of God, all are welcome. Please come. You may be seated. Last night I had the strangest dream I've never dreamed before. I dreamed the world had all agreed to put an end to war. I dreamed I saw a mighty room.
the strangest dream I've never dreamed before. I dreamed the world had all agreed to put an end to war. invite you to stand. Now may the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ strengthen you and keep you now and always in God's grace. Amen. Amen. Fed and forgiven. Fed and forgiven, you'll depart from this place of worship to go out those doors to find your own places of service. As you go, may God bless you and keep you. May God's face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May God look upon you with favor and give you peace. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We're going to end with a little sing-along with Doug, Blown in the Wind. Yes, and how.